Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy winning journalist Rita Cosby. Welcome to another edition of Protecting America. Crime has hit record numbers in many major U.S. cities. And now the Biden administration, Department of Justice, is adding fuel to the flames by actually considering safe drug injection sites across America to, quote, provide safe havens for people addicted to heroin or other narcotics. And joining us now on Protecting America, New York GOP gubernatorial candidate Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, great to have you here. Rita, so great to be on Protecting America. I love the name, by the way, and it's such an honor to be a guest. Well, and it's such an important premise. I know it's something you and your family have been dedicated to. And Andrew, I have to ask you, because there's been these new headlines of late coming from the Biden administration that they're looking at, for sure, setting up potentially more of these, quote, safe injection sites. So drug addicts have safe places to go. There's already two in New York City. There's some in San Francisco. And they're looking at setting them up around the country. To me, this is a formula for disaster and encouraging more drug use. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, I was wondering what Bill de Blasio was going to do after leaving office. And, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of talk about him running for Congress in the uh, Staten Island, the new gerrymander Staten Island seat. But I have to tell you, maybe he's Biden's advisor on this because this really ends up piggybacking off of what he did as a lame duck mayor. I believe even it was was after the mayoral election when he added more of these uh, injection sites into areas of, if I remember, in East Harlem and Washington Heights and some of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Manhattan. And unfortunately, what you're going to see is you're just going to see more and more crime continue to spike because of this. And now with the Biden administration pushing, and I believe their tagline is this, is safe smoking kits. Uh, and they're saying that it's, uh, you know, part of uh, it's part of the whole idea that this is uh, the, the, the whole idea of racial uh, justice, if you will. Uh, it's the exact opposite approach of what we actually need as a city. And, and the truth is of what these neighborhoods need. This is not just somebody talking from, let's say, uh, a good area of Manhattan, you know, in, uh, let's say, Battery Park or in the Upper East Side. I mean, for the neighborhoods of, you know, Washington Heights, East Harlem, you don't need any more of these right here. We need to crack down on this stuff, and we need to take a little bit of a page out of a theory called broken windows and say, you know what, if somebody gets involved early, they need to be in the correction system, and we need to make sure that we can get them back on the right track before, unfortunately, this graduates into a worse and worse problem. You know, um, Joe Grimaldi, he's with the Fraternal Order of Police, made an interesting comment, Andrew Giuliani, and he said, you know, well, okay, if they want these sites, let's set up a site, you know, on the White House lawn. Let's see how they like it. Um, Because just like you said, uh, do we want more of these? And what kind of communities is it going to go into? That's a page out of, uh, out of I believe, DeSantis' book in, in sending uh, some of the uh, illegal migrants that came in that were going down to Florida and sending them to Martha's Vineyard and to uh, Delaware there. Um, so, I, look, I think it's, it's a great point, right? I mean, you know, when, when you hear, and I always used to love this one, when celebrities talk about, um, you know, climate, uh, they go to a climate conference on their, on their 747 private jet, and you see all these private jets 
that are lined up in there talking about being carbon neutral and all that. I mean, the hypocrisy uh, is just mind boggling. And, and the fact that, you know, some of the establishment media decides to ignore it, you know, it's, it's why we need more people out there protecting America as, as, uh, as you do, Rita. Thank you. And, and Andrew Giuliani, the other thing, too, I think about, and to your point about, okay, we want it to be uh, racially equitable. What, giving them a crack pipe that is Biden-sanctioned or taking them to an injection site where they can continue doing drugs? How is that, as you point out, helping these communities? To me, this is doing a tremendous disservice and to, to incentivize people to continue to do drugs at a time where crime is skyrocketing. To me, this is the wrong time to be incentivizing anybody in any form, no matter what their yeah. race, creed, or color. Yeah, and for New York, we're getting hit on it by all levels of government. You know, there was the state bill, there was a Senate bill that was signed into law by Hochul, I believe it was in September or October uh, in the early fall, that basically uh, would allow the... Um, Sale or the uh, you know the, the transmission, if you will, of um, of uh, substances. Uh, and, and since then, I actually ended up seeing a drug deal on a subway on the on the five train uh, around Midtown in the afternoon. Uh, then you got what De Blasio ended up uh, passing on November thirtieth, and then and then you ended up getting what Biden is now saying today. So so this to me just seems like continuing the cycle of dependency uh, for so many of these neighborhoods and communities that need less government dependency. They, they need more opportunity, not handouts, not, um, not unfortunately, uh, these sites, which are just going to continue to see more and more people fall into the uh, terrible abyss of drug use. You know, you bring up a great point because it is very prevalent. And fentanyl right now is the leading cause of death, by the way, in Americans age 18 to 45. And when Jen Psaki at the White House was asked about, you know, these injection sites, she said, you know, we can't politicize this. This is a serious issue. What I wonder is, you know, well, then why are they not closing down the border where so much of the fentanyl and so many of the drugs are flowing through? Yeah, and, and the same point can be made that during uh, the COVID emergencies, while, you, you know, you continue to put these restrictions on more and more Americans, they did not even test migrants that were coming in across the border. So, again, the hypocrisy is through the roof. You know, one of the things uh, while I worked in the White House that I, that I had the opportunity to work on uh, was the uh, was the president's. Uh, COVID board with the with the drugs are and with Kellyanne Conley, Conway specifically. Um, but one of the things that I was so proud of was for 30 years, you saw opioid deaths rise across the country. And then in 2019, for the first time, they went down, they went down 17 percent. And of course, one of the really, really sad things about COVID is it has skyrocketed to new highs because of this isolation. I, I just I just had a very good friend of mine lose a brother a few weeks ago to it. And it's just unbelievably heartbreaking when you see somebody who's, you know, in their 20s or in their 30s uh, that, that ends up having to deal with this. I think, uh, you know, so much so many times you heard Nancy Reagan getting made fun of or even President Trump getting made fun of as saying just say no. Well, the truth is, if you don't introduce these things to young Americans, then they don't get hooked on it. So really the best thing that you can do is utilize our cultural leaders 
you know, even more than political leaders. I always looked at it this way. As a kid, I remember Brett Favre being a three-time NFL MVP, and he ended up having an opioid problem because of painkillers. And as a nine-year-old kid, you know, I'm going to look at a guy like Brett Favre more than I am a guy like Ronald Reagan, let's say. And, 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 and he has a little bit of a, you know, as a young man, you have a little bit more of a, uh, you're spending more time watching football or this or that. Uh, and to me, it made such an impression. So I think from our leaders, whether they're political, whether our sports leaders, those in, in, uh, in, in entertainment, it shouldn't be political. But we need to make sure that we're telling these children exactly what they're getting into when it comes to this, not providing more opportunity to take more of these hard drugs. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And everybody, we are talking to Andrew Giuliani. Andrew, you know, I also, as you touch on sort of the politics of it all and how broad it is, um, you know, President Joe Biden, it was interesting. I was looking at old videotape and it was in the 1990s. He's like, look, if you do crack cocaine five years, that's it. Judges, you know, no margin. And here it is. Fast forward. He's got his own son, Hunter Biden, who, you know, is like the poster boy, it seems like for that. Yeah. Hypocrisy. Again, I, I, I don't know. That should be maybe the title of this episode here, because we really are seeing all the hypocrisy. Uh, I was just talking, and this is completely off the subject, but I was talking to somebody about the gerrymandered lines here in New York. And, and I said it reminded me of a Hunter Biden painting, uh, except it's going to even cost a lot more to Republicans than even a Hunter <laughs> Biden painting. Is that uh, possible? I, he seems to be charging a lot for that piece of art. I'm not sure. if I think it's a piece of blank, not a piece of art. <laughs> you know, you know, if I would have known as a former first son to, to actually get into the art world to make, you know, 75 to half a million dollars, then I, I, you know, it might not be a bad idea. But, but you know, I'd much rather be here protecting America than actually selling out to, uh, to China like, like we are. But, you know, it, it's another great point right now, going deeper into the whole Hunter Biden, Joe Biden relationship right there. You know, you know $1.5 billion investment uh, from China to his private equity firm. Uh, you know, yet we are just allowing fentanyl to come in and car fentanyl, which, by the way, for, the, for those that don't know, is 50 to 250 times the potency of heroin. One of the things at the White House that I learned uh, was actually when the dogs first started sniffing it, a few of the dogs overdosed and died immediately because they were not prepared for the potent potency of fentanyl and car fentanyl specifically, which is even more, more potent. Uh, and the other thing, and I think it's just, you know, you got to grip your head around this because, you know, if you're not addicted or if you're not looking for that high, you don't even realize it. But drug dealers on the streets are actually looking to make people overdose. And the reason is, if you're addicted, you're chasing that first high. And if somebody overdoses, that drug dealer actually gets street credit and more people try to seek his stuff. And it's kind of this fascinating thing you wouldn't think about if you actually were not addicted. But that's how, you know, somebody who unfortunately uh, is addicted thinks. And, and it's, why we, it's why we can't introduce more people to this. We need to make sure we're doing everything we can to interdict and, and, and make sure that less of this is coming in and there's less opportunity to actually shoot up. Absolutely. And, and it's such a it is so devastating, as you talk about, and you know firsthand, as you mentioned, from your friend's brother and from just circumstances out there. There's so many families that are touched by this and so many young people that think, OK, they're getting the authentic stuff and then it's laced with fentanyl. And as you point out, deadly even to humans and animals. That that was fascinating when you just said that. 
Andrew, um, I want to ask you to, at the time of we are talking about all this, this comes at a time where crime is skyrocketing across the country. Um, there are 16 major cities in America that have booming um, homicide rates, booming crime rates. Um, you look at some of the numbers, um, you have seen it. It's so bad that Al Sharpton is talking about, you know, just how difficult crime is that they're locking up his toothpaste. That's Al Sharpton's complaint. But he was on uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC saying, you know, crime is so bad, people are robbing stores left and right. Um, it, discuss the climate because you have seen New York on so many different phases, you and your family, and your dad did such a superb job as mayor. Rita, can you imagine that, that the left has gone so bonkers that Al Sharpton actually is appearing like the voice of reason to the left at this point? It's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Uh, you know, what I touched on in the very beginning, I, I think, really is, is the fundamental truth of this. Uh, when, when you look at, you know, looking at misdemeanors as, as you know, non-prosecutable offenses, uh, and even when you add in resisting arrest and armed robbery, uh, like D.A. Bragg uh, uh, said to his assistant DAs, uh, you're doing the exact opposite of broken windows theory. You are taking uh, the cops and you're putting them in an impossible situation uh, and you're basically making them, you're turning them from a proactive force to a reactive force. Uh, and unfortunately, if you do that, you know, the citizens of New York are going to suffer. You know, one of the things too, as uh, Saki ended up bringing up that this was about kind of the, uh, you know, restorative justice, if you will, uh, with these sites. And I think it's so important, if anybody wants to look up the crime numbers in New York over the last 30 years, to see where we were in the early 90s, 2,200 murders a year for a couple of years, uh, getting down just seven, eight years ago uh, to below 300, now back up to a little shy of 500. What you'll see is, Always in New York City, 65 to 75 percent of those who are murdered are African-American or Hispanic-American New Yorkers. So the truth is the people who end up suffering the most from this, the people whose lives end up getting cut short from all these absurd policies when it comes to uh, putting the cops in these terrible and impossible situations are African-American and Hispanic-American New Yorkers. So, uh, you know, we need to look uh, at what has worked over the last 30 years, what has not worked, and have a very common sense approach to this. And I think we need to make sure uh, we want a police force that's going to be proactive and not uh, and not forcing them to be reactive. Absolutely. And are you astounded that there are still a handful of New York politicians who, in the height of all of this combination that we're talking about, the you know, the potential of more injection sites, the rise of crime in this sort of cauldron, if you will, Andrew Giuliani, that there are legislators who are still saying, no, we're not going to change, you know, uh, the no cash bail. We're not going to change bail reform. Um, and also some that are still criticizing police in the middle of it all. They were Some of them were criticizing police right after the two police funerals that happened recently. Uh, where do these the people come from? It's like I feel like they're in an alternate universe. Yeah, what the assemblywoman from the Lower East Side said was one of the most disgusting things that I've seen uh, an elected official say it. And that's and that's saying something. Uh, am I astounded? Uh, I guess the, the naive one in me says yes. I guess the one who's seen enough of this says, no, I'm not astounded, but disappointed. Um, you know, uh, and I've pointed this out a few times now. Uh, I sat through Kathy Hochul's State of the State speech about a month ago now. 
And she mentioned crime around the 16 or 17 minute mark of her speech, kind of cursory. You could tell it was a check the box thing that she could that she could do. It was the seventh or eighth issue that she brought up. And she never ended up bringing up cashless bail or bail reform. And I think to me, it was it was a very, very simple signal to anybody who's watched and followed politics for a long time. She is looking and making sure that she courts the radicals in her party and that nobody outflanks her to the left. And unfortunately, she is playing politics instead of actually protecting New Yorkers. And that is the disgusting part about all of this. Uh, And, you know, really, I think it's not even learning. I mean, you know, obviously, uh, Curtis is such a good friend to you, such a great friend to me. Um, But, you know, one of the reasons why Eric Adams came out of the Democratic not uh, came out of the Democratic uh, nomination. He got the Democratic nomination and then became mayor uh, is because he was the only Democrat or the first Democrat that was willing to acknowledge that there was a crime problem going on. Uh, So the fact that they actually don't even look at this and say, well, you know, we're going to keep on ignoring this. I think more Democrats are starting to get the message, though, now, because you're starting to see some of the messaging start to change a little bit on this. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, they're looking at the polling numbers and not the actual crime numbers. It should be the crime numbers of New Yorkers uh, and of Americans that are dictating the policy, uh, not the polling numbers. Yeah, absolutely. It should be driven by what's right for the city, what's right for the country, and for so many cities across America, because this is a huge issue. And it should be because it's the absolute right thing for our citizenry, not because it helps with the midterms or or other future elections that they're looking at as well. Well, it is so great to have you here. Thanks for everything that you and your family have done uh, to keep us all safe. And love having you here on the podcast, former Trump aide and also current New York GOP gubernatorial candidate, Andrew Giuliani. Thanks for being with us, Andrew. Rita, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you soon. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight, on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America.